What's up, Rockbridge? I want to welcome you to uh, Rockbridge Community Church and all the campuses that uh, we're talking to this weekend up in uh, Cleveland. Welcome you, Hickson, uh, Ringgold, Dalton. I'm Mark. I'm the Dalton campus pastor, and we have Chatsworth in Cleveland. Hey, let's keep glorifying God by connecting people from all walks of life to life in Christ. And teaching the truth of God's Word is one of the main ways we do that. And today, I want to talk about the doctrine. That means all the way from Genesis to Revelation. What does it say about an emotion? And that emotion that I want to discuss and want to look at and want to apply to our lives is that emotion of grief, of grief. Happy Fourth of July weekend. <laughs> you know, I, I, but I want to look at it because it means a lot. You either control your emotion and let Jesus control the emotion of grief, or it will control you. It's one of the biggest ways that we get unconnected from life in Christ, and we really need to address it. I've been studying it uh, for about three years because on July the 5th, 2017, I stood in a room uh, with my mom and with my brother, he's three years older than me, and with my dad. My dad was in the bed he had suffered from Alzheimer's uh, from about tw for about 12 years. He went from a confident man that I looked up to, uh, that I would say is, was the world's greatest dad to me and my brother. He went from that man to about a, a four-month-old baby. And he was in the, in the bed, and he, he was dying. And we were there to you know gather around the, the bed, and he passed away. God was merciful to allow us to be there. And I thought I was ready for that. Um, I thought I'd prepare myself for that, but I learned something. Uh, grief hit me, and I don't know how long it was, but my mom left the room, my brother left the room, and I literally just could not leave. I couldn't leave the room. And when I finally did leave the room, I carried a strange passenger with me. Um, I, I carried something that was an undercurrent of my life that I learned real quick was affecting a lot of areas of my life. And that I need to understand this thing called grief and I need to get control of this thing called grief or it was going to get control of me. And so here's what I know. Grief lingers. You know, you're not going to get up from the chair today and walk out and you're going to, woohoo, no more grief. It lingers, and it's, it stays with you. It's, it's that passenger that goes with you. It also is a gut punch. You, no matter how much you think you're ready for it, the job loss, the divorce, the diagnosis, and we experience grief from a lot of things, not just death, not just funerals. We experience grief from a lot of things, but when it, when it happens, when that phone call, when that piece of paper, when it happens, it's like a gut punch, and it hurts. It hurts bad. So we need to learn how to deal with that, what the Bible says about that, and learn the doctrine of grief to move forward in our lives. But we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you're like, way to go, honeycut. Here we are on 4th of July, and you're bringing up grief. But we do need to talk about it because the world is experiencing grief. I mean, we've lost what I think is a whole year. In 2020, let's go home, put up our Christmas tree, call it a day, welcome in 2021. I mean, you know what I'm saying? 
and there, there's a lot of people experiencing grief. No graduation for our high school seniors. You know, furlough or laid off. There's, there's all this stuff that's happening that r- really we have to deal with grief. And here's, here's the, the rhythm of life. Not just this year, but in all of life. Until, until we go to heaven as Christ followers, you know, we experience life. And in that life, there's change. We get older. We move, we get laid off. I mean, there's change that goes on in life. That is, that's something that happens to everybody under the sound of my voice. There will be change in your life. And change equals loss. You had something and it's gone. It's like a gut punch. It lingers in your life. I wish it was like it used to be. I wish that I was younger than I am now. There's loss and that loss equals grief. It equals grief. So we have to, as Christ followers, to understand how to deal with grief. And at Rockbridge, you've heard it said many times that we don't handle it naturally. We don't handle it by checking off a 12-step program. We handle it supernaturally. And so we want to see what the Bible says about grief. We want to look at how it was dealt with. So we're going to look at the doctrine of grief. We want to see what Paul had to say about it, John had to say about it, David, how Jesus dealt with grief. And that that teaches us some lost lessons that we can look at in our lives and be educated to what it's all about. So the first lost lesson I want to talk about when we talk about grief is God encourages healthy grief. So in 1 Thessalonians, we, we understand he says for us to, to deal with grief the right way. So God encourages healthy grief. And so if, as we look at this verse, um, Paul writes, we do not want you to be uninformed. Okay? As a follower of Christ, intellectually, you can be informed about emotions. Okay? We don't have to you know, guess about it. We can be informed about all these emotions. Today we're talking about grief. I want you to be informed Brothers and sisters, concerning those that are asleep or those that passed away, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So there's two types of people here. There's people that have no hope, and there's people that follow Christ that are part of this church at Thessalonica that have big hope. And let me just say this, hope is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, the gospel is what they have hope in. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus trumps everything in my life, and I can follow him, and I can put my trust in him, give him the steering wheel of my life, and I can have hope. And hope is bigger than any grief that I experience. But he's not saying, don't grieve. As a follower of Christ, I don't want you to grieve. He's not saying that here. He's saying, I do not want you to grieve like those that have no hope. So we can have hope and we can still grieve. The difference is we grieve in healthy ways when unchurched, non-Christ followers or pre-Christ followers grieve in very unhealthy ways. Now you see this carried out in somebody's life and as a Christ follower, you can be unhealthy in your grief if you don't understand this. Again, we don't want you to be uninformed. So you have watched people play out in their life and they start self-medicating, they start making bad decisions, it forms anger in their life and they don't know where it comes from and they, they carry out their life making bad choices because they have not dealt with the emotion of grief. And so we can understand if you don't let, out, let it out in healthy ways, you will act it out in unhealthy ways. 
So if there's something unhealthy about your life, maybe you snap at your spouse. Ain't nobody here that does that, right? You know, you get angry. Where's that coming from? It's coming from that undercurrent. It's turning into a riptide in your life of probably grief, of loss in life that you haven't dealt with in a healthy way, and it comes out in an unhealthy way. So God encourages healthy grief. But also, God empathizes with my grief. We have an empathetic Savior. Our Savior, Jesus, has scars. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to be abused. He knows what it's like to be humiliated. He lost in this life to win for you and I. And so when we grieve, we don't grieve by ourselves. You say, Mark, I have been through so much. I'm not discounting your grief. I'm not discounting your pain. Hear me there, okay? I'm not doing that. But you say, Mark, nobody knows how I feel. Nobody has been through what I've been through. And you're probably right. You're probably right. But Jesus does. And he is there to empathize with you. He knows what you're going through. He's not aloof. He's not out somewhere waiting in in the shadows. He's not standing on the side. He's not apathetic towards you. He's not sympathetic towards you. He's empathetic towards you. He knows exactly how you feel. So that brings me great comfort. It should bring you great comfort to know that Jesus is empathetic. Now let me ask you this. Was Jesus a wimp? Was Jesus a sissy? Now I've, I've heard all my life, dry it up, son. Don't be crying. Dry it up. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what we're taught. That if we show emotion publicly... If we grieve big because of big love, that we're not strong, especially as men. We're not strong men. Jesus, in this situation, shows up on the scene. Mary and Martha are with him. His best friend, Lazarus, had died. He shows up. He hears that. And the Bible says in John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. But don't let the shortness of that verse diminish the huge doctrinal truth that Jesus wept. He wept publicly. Now, Mark, you sure he didn't go off to the side? He didn't turn his back? He didn't sniffle just a little bit? No, the Bible says he wept. Didn't cry. Didn't sniffle a little bit. He wept. How do you know everybody saw it? So so the Jews, his people, his tribe, the Jews said, See how he loved him. He did that in front of people because he had big love for Lazarus, had big grief, and he wept. He empathizes with our grief. He knows what we're going through. He demonstrates for us that we're not to hide our grief. We're not to stuff it down. It's like a two-liter Coke bottle. If you take a Coke bottle and you you shake it up, and I set it down, you want some Coke? No, 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 it's going to explode. You just let a little bit out of the time. You go through it. You let a little bit out of the time. It's the same thing. If you don't show your grief in a healthy way, you're going to explode. You're going to explode. You've got to understand that he demonstrates that to us, that he empathizes with us in grief. The third lost lesson 
that we need to study, we need to understand, is this. God will not expedite my grief. It hurts. Understand. My dad passed away. Understand. But but you're not going to go to God, God, take it away. Boom. It's gone. We're human. And we have emotions. Jesus modeled those emotions. We need to learn to let him control our emotions. Emotions are biblical. And he will not just take it away. We've got to walk through that grief in a healthy way. He will not expedite my grief. Psalms 23.4. I love this passage of scripture. Even when I walk through the darkest valley. Don't miss this. Walk through. Something scary's coming up in my life. Something dark's coming up in my life. Let's microwave it. Let's get through it. Let's run through it. Walk through. Crock pot through. You're not going to get it Amazon, Amazon primed two-day delivery. And it's going to be gone. We have got to go through that grief when we are in that darkest valley. David shared that. Doctrinally, we need to understand that, that God will not expedite my grief. We will not get over it. You hear that a lot. Dry it up. Quit crying. Get over it. Mm -mm. You'll get through it. And here at Rockbridge, you'll never hear us say, get over it. You take as long as you need and we'll help walk walk with you through it. You don't know what's coming up. You know what's going to happen, what has happened, what's, what will happen. But we're here for you. We're here to walk with you through that grief. You're here to walk with me through my grief. And we need to understand that. We need to understand. So God will not empower you to get, get over grief, but he will empower you to get through grief. Let me tell you about John. John was 35. I'm from North Carolina, mountains of North Carolina. He's a big country boy, big mountain man, about 35 years old, contractor, had an eight-year-old daughter, had big brown eyes that would just melt you, okay? Married, been married for, to his uh, high school sweetheart, and he, he started acting out. Now, it's it displayed in some not really, uh, it's kind of covert ways. He just got, got disconnected. Um, he, didn't, he quit talking to his wife, quit playing with his little girl, uh, was outburst of anger. Some other stuff is going on. She, she came to me. She said, hey, Mark, will you go and have a meal with him and, and see what's going on? And so I, I invited John to go to breakfast, and John sat across the table for me. And I just said, hey, man, how's your soul? How's it going? What's up? And he just coke bottle. I mean, just spewed, just, just all over me. And he said, Mark, I'm mad at God. I've been mad at God for eight years. I said, why? Why are you mad at God? And he clenched his fists and got tight-lipped. And he said, God took my grandmother. Took my grandmother. She raised me. She was like a mom to me. Took my grandmother. I said, well, how'd she die? Died of natural causes in her sleep. I said, well, that's good. God's merciful. How old was she? She was 92. She's 92. And I, I kind of, you know, I, to me... He should have saw that coming. You know, I, I kind of, 
wanted to love on him and listen and minister to him. But he just kind of, 92, I said, I said, John, you know, you, she, she was going to pass away. That's the reality of life. You know, grief comes from change and loss, and you're going to experience that grief there. L- let, me show, let me walk you through how you can deal with this and how you can share with others and communicate with others. I never forget, we'll forget about three, four months later, his, his wife came up to me and said, hey, I got a new husband. Little girl come around her, little brown eyes. She says, my daddy, he, he's new. He's, he's a new guy because he let Jesus have control of his grief. He made good decisions and good choices. He started talking about it, started celebrating who his grandma was, told his little daughter about who his grandma was. But he understood that God is not going to expedite my grief. And he understood that he couldn't just get over it, but God could get him through it. And we helped him get through that grief. And we're here to help you get through that grief. Now, how can you do that? So as we look doctrinally, we looked at some various verses. So application. How can you step out of grief and into connected with life in Christ? Number one, identify your losses, but don't let them be your identity. Okay, I'm I'm speaking to people that there's numerous losses in this life. And if someone says to you as a Christ follower, you're not going to have losses in life, I, I don't know what Bible they're reading, really, honestly, I don't. Um, you're going to have losses. Your, your job, your bankruptcy, divorce, I mean, relationships, there's going to be losses. Death, there's going to be losses in your life, but do not let them identify you. So many people that don't follow Christ, they let divorce, I'm a divorcee. They let bankrupt, I'm bankrupt. They let stuff identify them. They do not see themselves the way Jesus sees them. They see themselves the way this loss has identified them. But unless you identify your loss, you're not going to be able to move through it. So something's up with me. What is going on? Why can't I enjoy my identity in Christ? You've got to identify that loss. Now, my therapist, yes, I have a therapist. I would recommend that probably to a lot of you. Uh, she, she told me, she said, hey, you need to do a grief audit. I said, what? She said, yeah, go all the way back as long as you can remember and list all your losses. And I'm like, what are we, this Dr. Phil, what is going on here? This is crazy. And she said, no, I want you to do that. That's, that's your exercise between now and two weeks when we meet again. I want you to identify your losses. And so I did a little exercise. I started listening to them out. Me and God had a time there. And I mean, I was just like, oh, my, my goodness. And so a lot of losses I had never dealt with. I swept them under the rug. I didn't want to mention them because why? It was too painful. It was too painful for me. And so I want to encourage you to do a grief audit with Jesus. Let him guide you through that. And I know it's going to be painful, but you can't get over it unless you can identify it. Okay. Now, let me show you biblically. Life equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals grief. All right? Matthew 5, 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn. What? Happy are those who grieve. Because for they will be comforted. Okay? Mark, I want to be comforted. I want Jesus to comfort me. He comforts those that identify their losses. Happy are those who mourn. 
Everything you mourn about and you grieve about, everything you identify, you're going to be happy because you did that. You will be comforted by the comforter, by Jesus himself. When you grieve in a healthy way and you identify your losses and you don't let those losses become your identity. Cover-ups don't get comforted. They don't. You stuffed it so far down that you go back there. Revisit that. Let Jesus be Lord of your past. Let Jesus be Lord of your losses. And don't get over it. Walk with him through that. I want to encourage you in that. Uh, it's like a scar. If you don't take care of where you're wounded, maybe you get cut. It's going to be a problem in your life. And you're going to pull back. And you've got to let it heal. And you've got to intentionally take care of it. Now, Cheryl, my wife, and I moved here in the fall. And so we had to establish doctor care in all these different places. And if you've never done that, it is great. Um, but we got a dermatologist. And we hadn't been to the dermatologist in two and a half years. And so we went to the dermatologist. And we had an appointment together. We thought that was cool. thought that was great. And they check everything and everywhere. And they come back to the, you know, tell us what was going on. And Cheryl had one spot that they wanted to cut out and send off, make sure it was clear and margins were clear, a little basal cell or something going on there. And then I had eight spots. Okay, go, go big or go home. You know what I'm saying? And so they did that and we sent them off together. And now, so we go home with these big cuts, you know, big, big places that need to heal. So Cheryl had the stuff that the doctor gave her, and then she also got some other stuff that went along with the 25 bottles that are in her shower already. Um, and so, you know, with the cut, she would spend, you know, some time rubbing it and putting those little, little band-aids back on it. Now, I had a cut, too, right there on my inner thigh. We've got a picture of it, I think. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. Um, <laughs> and so, 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 I mean... I just let like the stereo strips fall off of it and you know they took the stitches out. I never looked at it again. It still has a big scab on it. Cheryl's, you can't even tell she got, got cut because she took the time to deal with it. And I'm telling you, grief will cut you and cut your soul and make, I mean, it's, it's, it's nasty. It's a, it's, a, it's a grieving pain. It's a guttural, visceral pain. And unless you deal with it biblically, it will become festered. It won't be clean. And someone will always be pointing at it and say, hey, what, what, what happened? I mean, mine looks like a dog chewed on it. I'm just going to be honest with you. It looks bad. You know, Cheryl's like, I, well, I can't understand why you won't rub this lotion on it and put this essential oil on it. I say, I'll tell you why. I'm not a sissy. I don't do that. Just, I don't do potpourri. I don't roll a blade. That's just not me. I mean, I'm not going to do that. It's just like I'm, but I wish I would have done that because it would have healed a whole lot better than it's healing now. And I'm looking at people, and, and I want you to intentionally, because you're going, grief, I, oh, I'm not going to do that. It's 4th of July. Do it. Do it. Be intentional about it. Let Jesus be the Lord of your emotions, and let him, let him heal your wounds. Let him heal your wounds, because people can notice if you don't do business with God and what he's telling you to do. And you've got to understand that even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, darkest valley, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. So, you, so you, maybe you're afraid to do that. You're like, oh gosh, I'm not going to do that. I'm afraid to, uh, why, uh, why would I do that? Maybe you're afraid. Let me, let me say something. In this Bible, 
you're not going to find, find the cry not, weep not, grieve not. But 365 times you will see the word fear not. So if you're afraid of your emotions, you have to get over that and follow Jesus and bring health and healing to your life. Don't let, don't let your identity be defined by your loss. Identify your losses, but don't let them be your identity. Now, what is your identity? Whew, this is good. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has given us that we, are, we should be called God's children, and we are. Explanation mark. You are a child of God. You are his son, and you are his daughter. I don't care what has happened to you. I don't care how you see yourself. I don't care how the neighbors see you. You are a child of God and don't see yourself any other way. See yourself the way God sees you. That is your identity. It's a good place to say amen. All right. So, so number two, the second thing we can apply. Get with a group so the group can get you through. Our natural drift when we understand grief and we experience grief is to get away from people, to isolate ourselves from people. That's not God's design. And if I read this Bible and when I look at this Bible, just a casual reading, you will see people getting with other people to get them through. We are not made to do life alone. We are not made to have a, well, that's private. That's private. No, it's not private. You help other people in your life. You share with them, and they help you through that. The book of Job is an absolute incredible book. The book of Galatians is too, Galatians 6 too. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. God wants us to carry burdens and share burdens and get together. The book of Job if you've never read the book of Job, it is a great book that deals with trauma. It deals with grief. It deals with suffering. It is a good book to read. If you're, you're in the middle of it right now, I would encourage you to read the book of Job. And so he had friends. This was one of the first small groups. Now, when Job's three friends, he had three. When they sat on the ground with him seven days and, and nights, but no one spoke a word to him because they saw that his suffering was very intense. So Job was a very popular man, very rich man. And so he had three friends that came and sat with him. It wasn't until they started speaking that they messed up. And I'll cover that in just a little bit. But you, I want to ask this question. Why three friends? If Job was very popular, why didn't more friends come? So in our grief, we have a tendency to also do this. So we'll listen to the enemy. We'll listen to, to the words of the enemy. You, why didn't that friend come? Why didn't friends 7 and 8 and 12 and 14, why didn't they come see you? Why haven't they called you? Why That's a distraction. That will not bring health and healing to your life. Three friends did come. And so they're there and they're suffering with Job. They're empathizing with Job. And his suffering and what he's going through. And it wasn't until they started speaking that they messed up. If you want to know what they're speaking, read the, read the book of Job. It's incredible. But guard against cliches in your group. Let's, let's be bigger than cliches, Rockbridge. So when someone's grieving, you want to guard against being strong cliches. Okay? You know, pull up your bootstraps. You can make it through this. You can do it. You don't need to, you don't need to do that. You don't need to hurry up cliches. Oh, come on, get over it. 
We got life to do. We got softball game to play. Get over it. You know, quit that grieving. You're dried up. Quit crying. You know, don't guilt cliches. You know, if you look around the world, you don't have it worse, you know, too bad. You know, you just lost your second job in two months, but other people don't have jobs. They may only make a dollar a day. I mean, that's guilt. You know, we have guilt God cliches. You know, well, God needed another little angel up in heaven, so that's why that happened in your life. Uh, we, we've got just cliches after cliches. Discount cliches. Where, where, well, you know, I've been through that too, and I didn't act like you're acting. Just cliche after cliche after cliche. So, Mark, what do I say? What do I say? Nothing. We have a tendency to speak too much, especially when it comes to grief. Show up the ministry of presence. And when you show up, don't just hush. Just be there for them. Love them. Affirm them. And listen. Now, there'll be a time to say something, but not right when it happens. And you feel like, oh, I've got to, I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to go. Go and just don't say anything. And just listen and love and, and, and be sensitive to that situation and what's going on. Number three, we're going to apply this to our lives. Fuel your hope so hope can fuel you. Fuel your hope so hope can fuel you. Hope is a person. Jesus. And you've got to make sure you check your spiritual gauges and that your hope gauge is full because you don't know when loss is going to happen. You don't know. So the closer you are to Jesus, the more connected you are in Him, get that way, and it fuels your hope because you are going to need one day to have a full hope tank to get you through. And He can, full, he can feel it. Ask Jesus to be your hope. If you've never done that, you need to cry out to God and you say, Jesus, it, I don't hope in a better tomorrow. I don't hope in a better education. I don't hope politically. God, I'm going all in with you. I put all of my hope with, with you because grief is coming. The Bible says in Psalms 103, 13 and 14, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Mark, I thought you said I wasn't supposed to fear. This is a boot taking off fear, not a boot shaking fear. This is a respect for Jesus. This is honoring him. It, it, for he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. We are dust. So I can't put hope in myself. I can't do that. It won't get me anywhere. I need to respect and, and have a, honor Jesus, have a relationship with him, and I need to cry out to him and ask him to fill me with hope. If you lose your job, tell Jesus. If you lost a loved one, tell Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I need your hope. If you lost another child, I need you, Jesus. I need, need your hope. And then Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's not going to say, when you come to him, you cry out to him, he's, gonna, he's not going to say, dry it up. Get over it. He's going to say, come to me. Come to me, my child, my daughter, my son. You come to me, and I will give you hope, and I will give you rest. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. 
You're close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. So if you want this protection, you want this comfort, you want to be close to Jesus, go through grief. On this side of grief, God doesn't make sense. I'll be the first to tell you that. But walking through it on this side, the benefits, I would not trade my grief and my life for anything. You couldn't buy it from me because it brought me closer to Jesus. And if you're on this side of grief, you're looking at it going, <laughs> no way. But follow him, love him, put all your hope in him and he will lead you through and you'll have that relationship and that comfort. Because of Jesus, I will, we will get through this grief. Get through this grief. So my dad died on a Wednesday. And the next morning I woke up, went on the back porch, sun was shining for my time with God. And I was, I'm, I'm spending time listening and talking. And my, my, my mind was still going to my dad. And it was like, I tried to prepare myself. And it was like, the, the memories were black and white before, but they were color now, HD. And I was just flooded with emotions. And I, I could sense God's encouraging me to deal with what was going on in my heart. I could sense God empathizing with me. I could sense God saying, hey, I'm not going to expedite, expedite this situation. You're going to draw close to me. We'll be closer after this is over than before it began. I want you to walk through this grief. It was a Wednesday, and we had um, an early weekend service on Thursday at my last church, and a staff member called me. and They said, uh, Mark, are you going to teach? You're sorry about your dad. Are you thinking, okay, are you going to teach tonight? Uh, I said, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to. And they said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. Because my dad hadn't heard me teach in 12 years. Tonight, he'll hear me teach. I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach because uh, he, he, he worked at GE for four, General Electric for 40 years. Every day. I mean, I don't remember missing a day of work. And he went even when he didn't feel like it. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to go and I'm going to teach. It's been a journey. But with Jesus, we can get through that journey. Let me just say right here, right now. One of the greatest things you can do if your family doesn't know that you've accepted Christ, that you've given Jesus the steering wheel of your life, if you've never made that public where they know because you think it's private or you don't, religion, don't talk about Listen, do not leave this world without letting them know that you've accepted Christ. One of the cruelest things you can do, and I've been at funerals before. Hey, he's a good guy, but I'm not sure he accepted Jesus. That's cruel. That's cruel. So listen to the next steps as we close out this service. If you've never accepted Jesus, I want you to do that. But if you've accepted Jesus and you've never made it public through baptism or just letting them know over lunch today, over supper today, whatever, just let them know. Have a conversation about that. Because that's pretty, that's pretty cruel if you think about it. And I want you to do that. And, and I'll, let's pray together. Let's pray together. God, you created us <clears throat> with emotions. And we realize today 
that we need to understand grief. And God, we don't need to suppress it. We need to express it to you. And God, we've been trying to get over it instead of going through it. And God, thank you that you grieve with us. Thank you for my church family where I can find healing and community. God, thank you and forgive us for trying to find a quick fix instead of realizing grief takes time. God, we don't want to be stuck anymore. Jesus, I ask that you heal broken hearts, that you fill our lives with love where there's emptiness. God, we pray all this in the name that heals, that name that walks with us, the name that's our Father, that name Jesus. Amen.